Welcome to the Three Wins Podcast, brought to you by Legacy Advisory Partners. My name's Sean Lydon, and I'm the producer of the Three Wins. And today, Russ Clemmer, the president at Legacy, speaks with a special guest, Jim Robinson of Robinson Compensation. They talk about the trends, challenges, and benefits Jim is seeing around this paradigm shift in virtual work, specifically through the lens of compensation and benefits. If you find this type of content to be valuable, please hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app, and please leave a review. This will let us know what you think and also help others find the three wins. Thank you so much. Now, onto this episode of the Three Wins Podcast. Hello, my name is Russ Clummer. I'm with Legacy Advisory Partners, and you're watching the next episode here in our Three Wins podcast, talking about the three wins financial advisory work that we do. And one thing we're excited to talk about this week is this paradigm shift in virtual work. The shift has been uh, moving towards virtual work for many years, especially with the advancement of different technology and how different technology can benefit stakeholders. But now every business in America has had to face this question because of, at least temporarily, because of the pandemic. Thank you for joining us today on this episode. As always, please provide any comments below with your questions. Hit the red subscribe button, join the Three Wins channel, and then click the bell to get any notifications when we release, release new podcasts. Today, I want to introduce a, a great man, a great husband, leader, dad, a good friend, and fairly recently, founder of Robinson Compensation, good friend of ours here at the Three Wins Podcast, Jim Robinson. And Jim's going to help us discuss some of the challenges and benefits that he's seeing around this virtual work paradigm shift, specifically through the lens of compensation and benefits. So Jim, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Russ. And glad glad to be here and, and talk about a subject near and dear to my heart. Yeah. So, you know, just, just kind of give us a little bit of a, a background. Um, you know, I know your story well, but just give our audience a little bit of a background uh, about your uh, career, your leadership career, and uh, specifically now what you're doing with Robinson Compensation. Well, I've spent uh, over 40 years in the field of compensation benefits and uh, with most of that with two organizations uh, as a practitioner, but also uh, doing consulting work on the side. And then in October of 2019, I opened Robinson Compensation uh, to uh, switch over to completely doing consulting work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have, a, have an MBA from Wharton and a BA from Duke, and, uh, and I'm a certified compensation professional and a certified employee benefits specialist. So all sorts of credentials. Yeah, so how'd your, how'd your Duke Blue Devils do this year in the tournament? <laughs> tournament? What, what tournament are you talking about? <laughs> oh, the, the big tournament. Well, unfortunately, yeah. they weren't in there. <laughs> yeah, well, they weren't, and, and more or less neither was I. I, I you know, we, I, I'm doing a bracket. We did a bracket this year in the office, and uh, inevitably, it seems like the person who – does not know anything about basketball 
ever watches one game throughout the whole season. Uh, this person has won three years in a row. Maybe they like the mascot or something like that. I don't know what it is. They either pick colors that they like. I don't know what it is, but maybe they just have some sort of cousin or uncle that's a ringer and just knows, you know, exactly who to pick and how. But uh, too bad she doesn't. She doesn't bet uh, on her bracket. All she uh, all she's going for is an office uh, gift card to go get dinner somewhere. But yeah, she's won all three times, and I know your guys weren't in there, but uh, we're not. So, so couple. You worked here in uh, Atlanta for most of your career, right? I have. Uh, I spent 25 years with the Southern Company, which is a large electric utility holding company mm-hmm. uh, for, for profit. And then I spent 15 years with MARTA, which is the Regional Transit Authority. Uh, yeah. So that's and, where I spent most of my time. Right. And so, you know, you've had a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, government uh, experience and, and, and those hurdles that you kind of go through with that. And then, but also, you know, otherwise, you know, large companies, um, it, it's a, it's a, uh, so in either of those situations, did y'all have, you know, what kind of virtual, uh, you know, what kind of virtual work did, were y'all kind of getting into back then? Uh, there were options, uh, and they were, said to be available, but in a lot of cases, they weren't available because there are a lot of, there were a lot of bosses who, who went by the uh, idea that if I can't see you, then I don't know if you're working. But there were, there were options to telecommute or do four-day work weeks. Yeah. Uh, and some, some people uh, chose to do that. Uh, yeah. The surveys pre-pandemic said that maybe three to 10% of the workforce was working remotely. And uh, of course, now that's five or six times greater. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you know, the reason, it, especially in our perspective, um, you know, and, and, and some people listening may say, well, y'all are, you know, financial advisors. Why would you worry about, you know, people uh, working virtually? What does it really, what does that really have to do? So, but, you know, when you're talking about stakeholders, uh, employees are, uh, you know, one of the main stakeholders, right? You've got owners, you've got customers, you've got vendors, people who rely on the entity, the, the company, and employees are, are right there. And uh, employees are not uh, able to, uh, you know, uh, uh, get the, the work done that they want to get done, and they're not in the best situation to get that work done, then it has an impact on the success of a business. It just does. And so, you know, when we talk about the three wins, um, uh, we talk about the uh, shareholder win, right? One of the stakeholders, we talk about the corporate win because the corporate win is the, uh, the, the one that in, you know has the vendors and the customers and the employees. And then we talk about the key leader win. We focus on, you know, those two different specific groups, the key leaders who are non-owners uh, mm-hmm. and, the shareholders and uh, specifically from a financial perspective, but that's not just, that's not the limit of it. And that's why it's great to have uh, experts like you on the podcast, because y'all can give that perspective and, and get, do a deep dive into the, into the uh, impact of, of uh, some of these things, these current events and different things going on with employees, one of the, the, the main stakeholders. So, 
you know, we've, we've got different people who talk through a third and a third and a third, right? You can kind of put companies into three different groups. So you've got, uh, and I don't know if it's, you know, specifically 33.33% of companies, but just three different buckets you can put them into. Number one being the uh, pandemic hit. Some people were uh, either uh, not working or they were working, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, in, in staggered shifts, but they're on site and they have to be on site and you can't do anything other than work on site whether it's construction or different things like that, grocery stores, whatever it is. Then you turn around and you say, well, you've got these companies who were already shifting towards virtual. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter where they do the work as long as they have an internet connection. And they are the type of folks who don't care where they get their work done. And the business model supports that type mm-hmm. of employee and that flexibility. Then you've got the people in the middle who we're talking to really today. Those are the ones that are hybrid, the ones that maybe they were shifting over to see exploratory, which roles could be done virtually. Uh, maybe they were, you know, kind of that same mindset, like you said, where you got a guy that says, well, if I can't see you, then I can't verify that you're getting stuff done. And they're kind of caught in between and they don't know which way to go. Mm-hmm. They're looking for someone like you to guide them through that process and, and, you know, in the least just help them identify what questions that they don't even know exist or the right questions to get them through this process, to help, help them put a plan together, handle this, this new, this new thing, because the paradigm has shifted, right? There's no going back to experimental people have ex- experienced virtual work. And a lot of people are going to say, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. I expect and some companies are going to say, well, maybe we need to do that shift. So what would you say, uh, you, you know, the, the experience with virtual work, give us, you know, kind of a broad overview of what you're seeing from this paradigm shift. Some of the big questions, some of the issues, some of the potential benefits, give us an overview of what you're seeing. As you said, uh, some of the shift was already occurring and particularly in the technology field. One of the things that's uh, interesting about that from a compensation standpoint is uh, there have generally been geographic uh, costs of uh, living differentials. If you work in, in um, Silicon Valley, San Jose, the uh, cost of living is very high. You get paid more than, say, if you live in a, in a rural area or a less, less urban area. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, the question becomes, all right, if I'm working for a company that's in San Jose, but I'm actually living in Montana, uh, do we still need to have that cost of, of um, labor differential, or should we base it on cost of living where the person is? So that's, some companies are examining that and saying, well, maybe we're going to eliminate those differentials. Uh, so it could possibly lead to people getting paid uh, from the same salary range, regardless of where they're located. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. Um, it's, you know, in the area of uh, attracting and retaining people um, in terms of um, employment, people are, uh, on the one hand, it's made it easier for people to change jobs. You have to look at things like, uh, 
how does this affect your culture? Uh, yeah. If your culture was based on people being in one place or being together, that's mm-hmm. saying, do we, do we need to still have employees? Can we use contractors? Um, yeah. Yep. How about your organizational structure? Uh, if if everybody's remotely, perhaps I can manage more people than I could otherwise, and maybe we need to flatten our organization, and that would lead to maybe broadbands or something like that. Uh, you know, retention. We I, I was about to talk about that. It's like uh, on the one hand, I can apply for a lot more jobs because I don't have to move. On the yeah. other hand. On the other hand, there are a lot of people applying for those jobs, so there's more competition. So it's made it easier and harder. So there are a lot of, a lot of uh, little uh, um, challenges that are faced by leaders. Yeah, let's let's hang on to culture there for just a second. You mentioned culture, and uh, you know when we do when we talk about the eight virtues uh, in our work, the uh, the, the leadership virtues, um, we, we talk about culture because. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an intangible that leads to so many tangibles and, and, you know, the statistics are there that, that companies with a strong culture, right. Based on values, uh, attract the best workers, right. They want to be a part of it. But if that culture is also virtual, then does that expand your reach uh, of being able to access talent uh, or is it, is it a hindrance if um, most of what is makes up your culture is something that's, you know, day to day being seen by other people and interacting with other people. So, so how does that, what do you see as some of the risks to culture? Yeah, you're right. Both, both are true. Uh, it, there's a, there's a risk and and there's a potential uh, for uh, you know greater access to to uh, to workers. So both of those are are true with the cultural change. Uh, and you're right, the culture is is very important. Working in compensation and benefits, those are tangible things. Uh, but but most employees are looking for intangibles. Obviously, they need the tangibles to to be able to, as we say, eat and live indoors and 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 provide. But but the in but the intangibles are very important to most people. They want to work for an organization that they that they appreciate and appreciates them. They they uh, just there there are things that that make their you know we talk about the employee value proposition, mm-hmm. and that's part of that. I. I I work for this company and I feel good about working for this company because of the things that they do or the way they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that really does uh, go with what we've seen and, and um, really, so it's a, it's an assessment of what makes your culture strong. And for companies that haven't gone through that, that's a good, could be a good place to kind of stop and, and, you know, kind of look through and see what, uh, you know, see what those those uh, tangibles and intangibles are as far as what makes folks stick around um, for that. So organizational chart, how do you go through, how do you go about flattening an organizational chart? Well, there's the, there's the uh, you know, there's the quick, quick and painful way like ripping off a Band-Aid and just say, well, all right, here's where we are today. We're going to go right to this. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that's difficult. Uh, sometimes it, it, it works in that you, you get it all done. You know, there's another method, and that would be to say, all right, here's, our, here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. Anytime there's a change, we'll take oppor- an opportunity, advantage of that opportunity to flatten them. Uh, if somebody at this level leaves, all right, we'll spread out the people below that to the remaining people, that sort of thing. Yeah. So you can, you can do it either way. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, sometimes you think about, you, you don't ever want to, you don't ever want to do something in, in, it depends on the size of the company. You don't want to do something just because you're going to save a couple of dollars. But if you're talking about a large organization and you've got, you know, a couple thousand employees and you're looking at, you know, different things, it is a big impact um, on uh, the folks who would stay, the viability of the company, the sustainability of the company. Um, but at the same time, you know, businesses are not in the business of creating jobs. That is one of the, that's one of the byproducts of a for-profit organization of it creates jobs. It impacts the community, that, that all the different stakeholders that are benefiting from there being a company that's strong. Um, but part of the question is, you know, with this virtual work, it seems like if you've got this organizational chart, if you're not at least asking the question, which roles can be flexible, then there's a almost a disservice to the other stakeholders. Because if you, it, yeah, right. asking the question is is a is a part of the responsibility of, of someone in that position. At the very least, you need to ask the questions. Yeah. You know, and that's that's sort of the one thing that uh, that I've been doing with people is helping them sort through the questions, you know, and sometimes it means you might have to change the way you do business, your policies, your programs. Other times you might say, you know, I think we, we see what's going on and we're okay. But it's, it's, it's worthwhile periodically asking the questions. Yeah. So, um, one of the, one of the things that, uh, as, as you and I were talking a little bit ahead of time, somebody asked a question uh, about uh, millennial uh, millennial turnover. Millennial turnover. I, you want to get into that now or later? I'm a millennial by a, just just by the skin of my teeth, and I just think it's such a millennials are such we are such fascinating, uh, you know, subset of the culture and the and, and and you know some of the behaviors that are attributed to whether they're you know. Uh, accurate stereotypes or not, but it's just one of those that, it, you know, the idea of that, uh, if, if millennials couldn't already be complicated enough, uh, you add this pandemic thing to it. Forget it. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Talk a little yeah. bit about millennial turnover yeah. and how this may or may not impact that. Well, you're right. There, there are some things that are generalizations and they're not true uh, for everybody. You know, the you had the greatest generation, the World War II folks, and yeah. and then then uh, my generation, the baby boomers, and you know our our parents told us, you find a good company, you stay there, you don't change jobs. That's that's the way to do it. And then then our kids saw well. Sometimes companies discarded people, and they saw that and said, I'm not going to be loyal to a company. I'm going to be loyal to my profession, to my career. So there's more, more likelihood that I'm going to change jobs. I had a friend of my, one of my sons tell me one time, 
yeah, I've been at this company for two years. It's time to go somewhere else. So that, you know, it's a different attitude. So that, that, yeah. that, that has, uh, with the pandemic, I don't know that, as I say, there's some, some uh, things that are encouraging that and some are discouraging that. It's, it's easier to change jobs if I don't have to move. Uh, the other hand, there's more people doing the same thing. So it might be harder to change jobs. Yeah. 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 Well, and that's, that's, uh, to me, that's, you know, some of the unique questions, that's definitely one of them. Um, and it's a little bit of a generational. So if you have someone who is from a different generation and they're thinking about the, the, uh, pandemic and how to, how to move things around, you have to be, able to it's almost a, a different culture that millennials live in a mm-hmm. lot of times. you have to be able to do some cross-cultural communication in that sense you have to be able to yeah. walk on that road and, and that that could compound some of these discussions i'm sure i think millennials are much more interested in the culture than say baby boomers baby boomers just say i'm gonna i'm gonna slog this out no matter what we're doing you know i'm gonna stay yeah, millennials are saying no. Uh, this has got to be worth worthwhile. What we're doing, it's got to, yeah. got to, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it's there's there's a difference there. Yeah. So uh, let's dig in a little bit, move in a little bit of the, the compensation and, and going through some of that. And and so you gave an example of the the uh, cost of living adjustment for geographic areas. Let's dig in a little bit more into some of these compensation questions that you sure. uh, you think that, that leaders need to be paying attention to the most. Yeah, I think uh, talk. we could start with that geographic differentials. Uh, if you have people that are working in various uh, geographic areas, many organizations pay differently. Uh, they'll, they'll have a a standard rate that is based on where they're headquartered. And then they'll go up or down from that, depending upon uh, where people are. You know, there are certain areas that are high cost of living areas. You know, you got like Boston and San Francisco and, and places like that and Washington, D.C. Right. Then, but, but then if you're in smaller uh, geographic areas, oftentimes the cost of living is less. But again, if uh, if I can do the same work no matter where I am, then as an employer, I'm thinking, well, why should I hire somebody who lives in Washington when I can hire somebody that lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and pay less for the same work? So it's yeah. it's something to think about as as uh, whether you should continue uh, differentials and whether they should based on cost of living or cost of labor. The other thing is, if I if I do away with that, am I going to lose people? I'm not. Is somebody going to go? Oh well, in that case, I'm going to go to somebody who's going to recognize that I live in Washington D.C. and it costs more to live here, and I'm going to pay more. So, so you have to you have to weigh both sides of that issue. That's, that's one one th- one result, I guess, of the pandemic. That's, that's that you need to look at. Um, we talked, we talked briefly about flattening organizations. And if you flatten organizations, uh, one of the ways to do that is, is to go from either 
individual ranges or grades to broad bands and uh, broad salary bands could be based on level in the organization strictly. You might have four or five, you know, from executive to senior management to management, senior contributor to contributor. And you'd have a band, a salary band for each of those. Uh, and it'd be broad. So it would cover the fact that there are differences among functional areas. You know, you might be paying differently in technology than you would be in operations or in, in some other, you know, some other. So that, that's, that's something to look at. Do we need to, do we need to have the structure that we have? Can we, can we uh, flatten it out? Yeah. So how would you go about, you know, uh, someone is facing these issues and, and either they've never been through this process before, um, you know, maybe they, uh, they've been through it, but, you know, just weren't able to, you know, didn't have the right help or how would you walk somebody through this, a leader who's faced with these questions? How would you walk somebody through the, uh, a process like this? A lot of times I use, I use a questionnaire with people. And so what you want is people to, to think about this themselves and say, you know, what's, what's right, what's appropriate for, for my organization, the way I want to do business. And uh, based on that, you can say, all right, we're okay. Or no, we really need to change how we're doing things. So it's, you sort of get people, you ask questions and get people to think about it from that standpoint. Yeah. Uh, you know, none of this is new. It's, you know, I've been doing this for over 40 years. There's new names for things, sure. but it's, it's not new. It's, you know, the same issues. You still have people. So it's just, you know, how do I deal with the, the environment that we have now? Yeah. And, and so uh, some of the tangible things, if they do need to kind of move in that direction. So what are some of the studies and what are some of the exercises you can take folks through uh, to help them um, either change the way they do things or, or put a new plan in place? Yeah, I mentioned the questionnaire. Let, let's talk about the area of incentive compensation. Uh, yeah. One of the things that's that's an issue is when people are working remotely, then you really have to have strong goals and, and you have to look at their production. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes people will have a, a standard base salary and then incentive compensation to recognize performance. Uh, performance management is something you really need to look at when you have remote employees. You know, how, how do I do that? Because I'm not in their office every day looking at what they're doing. So, you know, how do we do that? So with the, with incentive compensation, again, uh, I have a, I have put together a questionnaire that if you answer all the questions, the plan will, will just come out of it. Uh, okay. I've been using it for, for 20 years. Uh, it's a design guide and it's, it's asked all the possible questions. And based on those questions, you can say, all right, you know, I like what we have, or we need to do this or, we need to do a couple things or, you know, that's, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think what I like the most about what you're saying is that, uh, you know, and you and your experience being, having seen a lot of these different, because this is not the first quote unquote paradigm shift uh, no. in employee compensation and benefits. Uh, this is just maybe the most recent. And 
you know, for someone who is in the role having, you know, with the, facing this work um, is it, something that they can work through. It's something that they can, they can figure out. It's something that, you know, even if they, you know, need somebody walking beside them, like uh, you walking beside them and kind of carrying through them through this process, it's something that they can figure out. And this is not the first time companies have had to uh, respond to this. No, performance management, for instance, uh, millennials have led the charge to change performance management. Uh, the old school was, you know, I, I get a review once a year. I might have a mid-year review. Uh, and those are the only formal things. And hopefully you have a little more informal uh, contact with, with my boss. Uh, millennials want feedback all the time. Uh, so an annual review really doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, you still have to have that, but you need something frequently, frequent feedback. So that's been a change to performance management, uh, that yeah. you have to work that in there, that, you know, how are things going? Let's let's talk about this. Let's not get anything too far out of, out of whack. You know, let's, let's keep close accounts. Yeah. And that really, you know, uh, something else I heard as we were kind of going through this a little bit is um, if you've got the, the, the uh, feedback, you know, the other side of that coin is the person giving the feedback. How do you, part of that is, is it would be preparing them for those virtual management, some of the, some of the tips and training that can, they can, uh, you know, improve that process on the manager side as well, right? Oh yeah, right. You you mentioned training, and that's a big thing. Uh, people have to be prepared for this new environment, and it certainly uh, would be worthwhile to, to train people in in terms of well, now that I'm not in somebody's office every day or talking to them face to face. How how should that change how I manage? You know, what can I do to overcome that lack of contact? Right. And, and, you know, that training can help with that. Here's the things you should do. Here's some of the things you should do to, to avoid, uh, because eventually if somebody feels like they have no contact, you know, they don't, they don't feel appreciated, they're going to leave. Right. Right. And that really is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's less, it could be somewhat of what we're doing but it's also a lot of how we're doing it in that, that, that cultural communication, being able to, you know, look at the company overall, but then the different subsets in there. Uh, and, and that's someone, it requires someone who is okay with asking those questions and being flexible with what the uh, questionnaire that you use, what it spits back out of, you know, if you, if you just, if you want to say, well, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll look at it and, but we're probably not going to make any changes. If you've already closed your mind off to that, then you're not flexible and adaptable to what it's not really a fad. It's something that has been impressed on every American's mind that life can continue when you shut the country down mm-hmm. for several weeks, a month and in, in different sections in different States, even more, you can continue to move on in many ways, life can continue because of the technology that we have. And so what interests me is the question of, are we harnessing 
that. Yeah. You mentioned what's a, what's in house, and yeah. that's that's you know uh, there you have there's a lot more emphasis on the house now because you know before is what I don't care how you do it, just get it done. Yeah. Well, that's that's no longer the way that, that people work. They want you know they want to know not only employees want to know. Uh, are we doing it the right way? And, uh, and managers, managers have to be attuned to that. Not just saying, uh, you, you, you met your goals. You might've, uh, let a, had a swath of, of destruction wherever you went, but you met your goals. Well, that's not okay. It's not just what you do. It's how you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, the, the, the right, uh, the right benchmarks, the right definition of culture, uh, and millennials are, and, and sometimes to a fault. And I, you know, I was listening to the example the other day of um, uh, head head of finance was, uh, and also had a temporary role as as kind of head of HR, and um, the company lost a big contract, and uh, they had to let a, a certain number of people go, mm-hmm. and so uh, the you know, they were, they were still viable. They're still doing okay, but they had to let a couple people go that were, you know, and uh, somebody came in and said, Hey, I noticed that you let these folks go. Um, you know, it, it, it impacted, you know, the, the representation of different, you know, people groups within the, mm-hmm. uh, within the, the demographics of our company. Um, what are you going to do to change it? Mm-hmm. And so here's where, you know, kind of the common sense balance is in all of this, right? Uh, the idea is culture cannot uh, overpower the uh, profits of the company, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, it, that, it, in the other way, the, the other way can't, you know, the, just the drive towards profits can't uh, overpower culture. You have right. to have a balance. There's got to be, be a balance. There's got to be a balance. And so the the the, the finance uh, executive looked at the person and said, well, when somebody goes and gets a new contract, we can hire those people back. And it wasn't a, we didn't let go of people with any type of uh, a purpose or intent. Right. It's just one of those things that we had to balance things out. And that's really what the spirit of what this approach is. How do you ba- how do you keep that balance between the compensate? You're not just doing a compensation study or review just to do one and try to save a couple dollars. You're doing one really from more of a uh, how do we how do we make changes within our organization that we should make that maybe the pandemic just pushed us towards. So right. really, what's the best thing for our company and and what we can do. Right, and and as you mentioned, people getting laid off or other ha- often, how you treat people as they're going out the door is important to the yeah. people that are still there. Yeah, uh, there, there's a long-lasting effect if you if you treat people humanely as they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And we're and we're talking about um, we're not talking about uh, people being terminated due to. Uh, poor performance or due to some sort of sure irregularity. We're talking about uh, like your situation where I lost a contract. Well, you have to relate to that, but how you treat people is important. 
uh, and people that stay see that as well, and it can have a have a, a long-lasting impact on the people remaining. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think that's that's exactly what you're talking. When we talk about the virtues, we talk about uh, you know the the, the uh, guarding against the vices and promoting the virtues. Um, the, sometimes the harder thing to do, right? Because, you know, the path of least resistance is not always the most he- most healthy one. Mm-hmm. And so the harder thing to do, sometimes the right thing to do is to take that extra step and to really put yourself in that other person's shoes and make sure that they are, are treated that way. Um, because sometimes it's just that, hey, I've got to do this. I don't want to do it. I got to do it. And I'm just going to, you know, let the, you know, if you're letting somebody go or, or, you know, and, and, um, you don't want to see that happen, but making sure that you have the, uh, you have the, uh, empathy, right. Taking the steps to be empathetic with that person and be, uh, treating them like a human being that, uh, has, has provided, uh, great talent, great skills, great, uh, contribution, um, over time and then uh, making sure that they, they are proud to have been with that company for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, to me, that's a, that's really the, at the end of the day, we are trying to grow businesses. We are trying to make profits. We are trying to uh, benefit stakeholders. We're trying to do all these different things. Um, but it, you can't do it without for a long period of time over and over and over again. You can't do it without, a group of people having a, a respect of an organization. Yeah, I've, I've heard of some organizations who are know that they're going to have turnover. Uh, people are just not going to stay there. They actually refer to their former employees as alumni. I've heard that also, yeah. And they keep up with those people. Yeah. So they, Because who knows, uh, today's employee might be tomorrow's customer. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a friend of mine who, who uh, he's a Duke grad also, by the way, uh, went out and, and joined, uh, I don't know if he joined Google or Microsoft first, but he joined one of them, went out and tried to do his own thing. It didn't work. And they were even more eager then to rehire him. Uh, and they treated him as an alum. And they said, hey, you've gone out and tried this. You're smarter than you were when you worked with us the first time. So come on back and, and you know, apply what right. you earn to this next thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that really does, it's a different psychological shift in, in how you treat people and the way they view their time with that company. Uh, and, and, you know, talking about, uh, you know, you, you've been in, been in the role for 40 years. It's just about, you know, whether whether you leave the bridge intact and you burn the bridge, right? And, and that's really right. kind of what it's down to making sure you take care of the people that are around you as the best you can. Yeah. And sometimes you might feel like you want to burn the bridge, but uh, if you come to your senses, you realize, Oh, that's probably not such a great idea. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In sense is common sense is not always that common. And uh, you know, you really have to work hard sometimes to go and find it and employ it at the right time. So, right. Very good. So, Jim, you mentioned a, a, an assessment, a, a questionnaire that you kind of walk through. What I'd like to we'll have uh, to our audience, we'll have uh, your contact information um, and where they can find you on the Internet. Uh, make sure we'll get your link over to uh, a, a link that takes people over to LinkedIn, all in the description below of this uh, of this video. 
and Great. um and and hope you know we people reach out to us you can reach out to us at legacy and we can get you connected with jim uh, either way but uh we really appreciate uh your insights and uh it's good to know that that people have an opportunity to work with somebody that's been around and seen a lot of different things over the years but also has the perspective that this is there's nothing new under the sun and this is this is one more thing that can be uh thought of through a strategic perspective and um and, and, and you know, find a way to, to benefit everybody involved. Right. That's, that's my desire is to be able to help people, uh, help them think through things and come, come to appropriate decision in this area that I've been working in for all these years. Yeah, good. All right. Thanks again, Jim. Appreciate your time. And uh, again, you. any, uh, any thoughts or, on the video or, or would like to get in touch with Jim, please leave feedback in the comments section below uh, or click on the links in the description area. And uh, Jim, we look forward. I hope this is not the uh, last time you're on the, the Three Wins podcast. We look forward to having you again. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Russ. Good to, good to chat with you today. Thank you for listening to the Three Wins podcast. We have links to some awesome resources in the show notes. And if you haven't already done so, please click subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes of the Three Wins podcast. This is Sean Lydon signing off for now. Until next time, we'll see you then.